Welcome into the DMVR Draft Pod presented by High Plains Trains. That's right. We did it, boys. Presenting sponsor in the Northeastern Colorado Dispensary, providing top quality cannabis and a wide variety of products. If you give them a visit, be sure to mention DMVR to take advantage of their deals. Jake, Mama, we made it. Justin, Mama, we made it. How are you boys doing? Jakester joining us on a game day. Game day, baby. Um, only the potentially second to last one of this season already. I'm I'm trying not to think about it, but I really am getting sad that this football season has just flown by as quick as it has. It comes and it goes so quick. And in the orange hoodie, you can't see them, but the Broncos are back, Jay Mike. We're all in, right? I'm back. I'm excited. Sunday night against the Vikes. I mean, it, it's fun to have football that matters. I'm with Jake. It's really flown by. And especially after this weekend, when you're looking at the the last game of the year already, this is the last home game for me. Jake already had that. It's just, it's crazy how quick it goes. But it, it's been fun to have relevant football at every level again. College football, the pros. It's just, it's been a, it's been a fun fall. Hopefully the Broncos can keep it rolling. Hopefully the Rams can find a way to win out and make a bowl and kind of, you know, give some validation to the growth we've seen in, inside that program. But I'm excited to dive into this because there's a lot of draft prospects that are really popping. A lot of guys we've been high on and it's just be good to be back in general. It's been a while since we've had all three of us. Yeah, that's true. That is the beauty of once uh, your guys' football season slows down, then we can get in full draft mode, full freak mode as they say and yeah lots of things in front of us it was an incredible last week of college football and i want to start with some differentiation on who is qb3 in this class because we have talked about a lot of these guys and every week they give us more storylines there's more guys popping up I don't know how we can't not start with Jaden Daniels, who against Florida was absolutely out of this world. He has been the second coming of Michael Vick. His ball placement has just been unbelievable. Um, he's throwing such beautiful throws over 20 yards. It's been incredible. And statistically, he just cannot be messed with he was incredible. Carson Beck has really entered the chat. Um, it was nice to see Shadur back and playing some of his best football of the year. And, you know, Penix, Bo Nix, they're still in the mix. And then I want to ask you, is JJ, did J.J. McCarthy lose the Heisman? And how do we feel about him after throwing for just 80 yards on, what, eight pass attempts against Michigan? Yes. That was nutty. Uh, incredible. It actually... Quick note, since we're on Michigan, next time one of you isn't on the pod, we need to shout you out like uh, the Michigan interim did Coach Harbaugh at the end of the show. You know, if we don't have full tears. Ron Ward? Yeah. That's my guy. Full tears. Then we're just not doing it right. Um, Jay Mike, what's your take on this whole QB race, which QB3 race, which frankly is also kind of the Heisman race, let's be honest. Yeah, it's been interesting to see how quickly Jaden Daniels has essentially taken command of the conversation. I still think J.J. McCarthy has a path to the Heisman. He's got the biggest game of the year coming up against Ohio State. He had some huge throws against them last year. If he does that again, he, he certainly could storm back and take it. He got the Big Ten Championship coming up. There's There's plenty of opportunities still for him. I do wonder if the whole Michigan backstory hurts him with some voters if they hold yeah. that against him, which I think would be kind of immature and petty, to be honest. I mean, it's not like and he's the, the guy doing it. So on brand, it would be insane. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> like, it's peak college football. It's so. peak college football. So, like, it's a great point on your part, Jay Mike. And on top of that, I, I do think it hurts him how dominant that run game has been. And it's not it's not an indictment on him or anything like that. I think that was a statement on Michigan's behalf. The The fact that they were able to do that, like 32 straight runs or whatever it was, just truly run it down your throat, 1980s style. 
that was awesome. I love that they can play that way. It may hurt him as as far as some of that individual recognition goes. But I mean, if you're a Michigan fan, you want a national championship much more than you want a Heisman. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, and yet you're QB three, Jamie. Oh yeah, I kind of got off tra- track there. That's my bad. Um, no, you're good. I I'm still inclined to go JJ. I just think his upside is is still really really high and. I think those top two are are pretty set in stone. I do think you could make a really strong argument for Michael Penix when you see some of those deep balls. It's it's gorgeous. I just with JJ's athleticism and what he can create out of structure, I think we kind of only scratched the surface as far as what he can be just because of the type of system he's in. I'd like to see him in something a little bit more open where he gets to use that athleticism and and run around. But the fact that he can be kind of a game manager and not hurt you with those bad decisions. That's not the worst thing in the world either. Love me some JJ. Uh, Jake, how do you see this? Um, I think I still go Penix. And I know he's got the injuries, and that's probably what's going to hold him back a lot through this process. And why he might... We might see a bit of a slide from him, even if it's in the first round. It might be out of the first round. Who knows? But... I think that's a a big caveat in all this. I love the athleticism of both Jaden Daniels and JJ McCarthy. Um, And I do think they're right there. I think it's really close. I just think what Penix has shown just from a timing and accuracy standpoint just stands above what we've seen from those other guys. I mean, kudos to Jaden Daniels and the stat line looks ridiculous, but Florida ain't that good. I'm sorry. Like it was a very impressive performance. I'm not going to weigh it like super heavily and and I think move him above Michael Penix just for that one performance. So um, I love the athleticism, both of those guys and JJ. I mean, Justin said it, he didn't really have to do anything. Obviously they just ran it down their throat last weekend and uh, it's all going to be on his shoulders now. I mean, uh, without Harbaugh and just going into this Ohio state game, I can't help but think that JJ is going to have to make some big plays if they're going to try and win that game and make it into the playoffs. So I think they're all in striking distance. It's a, it's a very tight race right now. I just got to give it to Penix still. Yeah, um, it's there, there's no wrong answer, and I think um, it's it's kind of crazy, you know. I, I I think in some ways there was a bit of a, a prognostication that these these days would come where we would feel like there are so many talented quarterbacks because we are putting the best athletes at quarterback and we are developing them and they're playing flag and seven on seven at really young ages and all the specialized camps, et cetera, et cetera. But boy, is it manifesting itself this season. Um, Daniels has been incredible. The athleticism's awesome. Like awesome. He's almost ran for a thousand yards and he's played 10 games this season. And that's with missing a half against Alabama, essentially. Um, And I mean, really, he looks Michael Vick-esque the way he's just escaping from guys and has a different gear. And then the throws he's making to these big-time wide receivers of his are just bananas. Um, And I think he's showing me, you know, you could say similar stuff on Penix's deep ball. I think he's showing me a bit more ability. If Penix's first read isn't there, I he, he struggles a bit. Jaden's finding ways when the first read isn't there, even if that's with his feet, to kind of still have success beyond that. Um, and uh, you know what you're saying about JJ being a system quarterback, and now the get big games come up, and he's gonna have to step beyond that system and see what he does beyond the X's and O's makes me think so much of CJ Stroud at Ohio State. Completely different system, very, very different quarterbacks. In fact, Strength and weaknesses, almost opposites, right? Um, And yet, in that Georgia game, we saw it from CJ. And I mean, he was my second-ranked prospect last season, but I don't know that we gave him enough credit for that. Uh, So, you know, what JJ does against Ohio State is going to be huge. And Bryce, who the jury is far from out on, Bryce Young, of course. Uh, If we were talking Bryce CJ, purely as scramblers, purely as athletes last year, no doubt Bryce has the advantage, right? But it's our margins conversation. That size has made it so that that is much harder for Bryce as a pro than it has been for CJ, who's shown us consistently that he can do what he was doing 
um, at Georgia as a scrambler and off uh, off script and what have you. And that is a concern with Jaden Daniels. Can he still be running like this, be this electric on the move against NFL athletes? And it's especially concerning when, you know, the best defense he's faced thus far knocked him out of the um, second half in Alabama. Shades of what happened to Kyler when he finally faced off with Bama um, in that 1-4 matchup that one year, right? And got knocked pretty good by uh, Quinnen Williams. Sorry, boys, I went really long. So um, all that to say, I still think it's Shador's QB3 just by a smidge because of the pro traits he has and everything else. But I'm a big believer in JJ and Carson Beck. Watch out. Watch out. Looking good. Gonna get Bobo another job. Dude, I know, right? He's looked (laughs) really good, though. He's looked excellent. Brock Bowers missing hasn't mattered. We thought, oh, Stenson Bennett, blah, blah, blah. I don't know that they're missing anything from Stenson, obviously, already. Yeah, I mean, Carson Beck, he's not going to wow you when you watch him, but the guy just puts the ball in the right spot and makes great throws. Um, he's running the offense at a high level, and they've got weapons out there in Georgia too, man. And this is why I think it was important to – maybe not important is the right word, but you, we should have been patient with Georgia early in the year. You know, people were wondering, you know, why aren't they blowing these teams out like they used to after they lost all these uh, defenders and, you know, we got Carson Beck starting in there now. But he's really settled in and really seems to just be the guy there now. Uh, he just looks a lot more comfortable than he did earlier in the year, and he's making the right decisions and putting the ball where it needs to be. And some really prototypical traits, right? He's got the size, he's got the arm, and he's running. I mean, Justin, you know better than anyone, a fairly pro-style offense that's going to translate. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels very CSU what Bobo's doing down there right now. It just, in terms of elevating a quarterback and and putting him in a position to succeed, that was never that was never Bobo's problem. He got the best out of guys like KJ Carter Samuels, Nick Stevens, who, you know, weren't weren't anywhere near as good as Carson Beck in terms of throwing the football athleticism. But he it's what he does. He's a he's a QB guy. Uh Beck's been impressive and and I don't want to be dismissive of the talent that Georgia has at the skill positions, especially a guy like Bowers who's generational. It's not like they have the receiver talent of a team like Ohio State though or you know one of those Alabama teams from the last couple of years. I do think a lot of this is on Carson Beck and and some of these throws he's making. I've just been very impressed with the, the way they've gotten this offense rolling down the stretch and I think it makes Georgia you know, right back in that number one mix. So I, I don't know, for a while, I was starting to feel a little dismissive of them, kind of felt like they were playing with their food just a tad, or maybe that's just indicative of who they actually were this year. But no, they came storming back and kind of reminded everybody that it's it's still theirs until they lose it. And I mean, that's one of these guys who do it another couple of weeks and then you do it again against Bama. All of a sudden, both QB3 conversation and Heisman conversation, we're talking a lot of Carson Beck, man. Um, And that we're at that point of the season where like everything's wide open from the rankings and the playoff hunt, the awards, the draft prospects. It's all like everyone's just one big game away in these big matchups to really cementing themselves and really being in the conversation. Before we move on, I know I'll get questions about why did you guys not mention Bo Nix? Why aren't you guys higher on Bo Nix? He ranks statistically right up there, passing yards wise, with all the the top guys we've just talked about, and he's one of the few guys whose uh, running rushing yards is actually going to stack up with Jaden Daniels. So, Jake, you're shaking your head. You cover the conference that uh, young Bo plays in. Uh, not so young anymore, frankly. Um, and uh, yeah, why don't you why don't you explain why, in your view, he hasn't come up thus far? Grandpa Bo, after his twentieth <laughs> year in college football, if he wins Look, the man, Heisman, he... we're all screwed, guys. He wins the Heisman, has a good pro career. Like I just, I, I just, I, know. I warn, I warn <laughs> you guys. You know, like this, this might be the time to hedge on Bo Nix. I'm just. Just I've hedged a little this season. I've I've talked about how we've seen the progress, the decision making. He's made some throats, some timing throws we didn't see. But I I don't know, man. I just still feel like we've seen such a large sample size over the course of his career, and it feels 
very Will Levis to me, where everybody sees the one game and then they're like, oh, it's it's him. And then now these last two weeks, he's completed like 50% of his passes. And I just, we've seen a lot of Bo Nix. That's all I'm saying. Here's the thing with Bo, man. He is a, an athlete. And there's no question about that. He can run the ball really, really well. Um, he's quick. He's got some toughness to his game. Um, he is going to, you know, he's one of those guys that will will your team to victory um, if he has the chance. He plays in this offense, though, where they have one of not the best offensive lines in football, one of the best backs in football. Um, they just turn around, hand it to Bucky Irvin. It's like one nine yards a clip every single time. Football. And one of the top wide receivers. But still, I see all these throws just like at the line of scrimmage, behind the line of scrimmage. Like it's so just like dished up and ready for Bo Nix just to make an easy throw. And credit to him for making those throws and doing those things. But I guess... I maybe I am putting too much weight in what I saw, you know, the last few years because he does have the tendency to just play YOLO ball and just throw balls up um, and just not really play a cerebral style of quarterback. So that's where I kind of hang my hat. I feel like the offense does a lot for him and credit to him. He's taking advantage of opportunities and doing these things and making plays. And, you know, he's got the arm to go deep in all this. I'm not trying to discredit the guy, but. I think that you got to look at the system, you got to look at the player, and you got to look at what's winning on a down-to-down basis and who's the driving force. I'm not saying he's Tebow in terms of like, obviously he throws a much more consistent ball than Tebow ever did. But it feels very similar in a sense where it's just like, yeah, he's an awesome college football player. He's a lot of fun to watch. He can make all the plays with his feet. He can will you to victory. If you give him that easy throw, he can hit it. He can certainly rip a deep ball. Is what he's doing right now, is it going to translate? And that's, I'm just skeptical of that. There's some Brock Purdy to his game a little bit. Um, and the profile... Put him in the right system. The profile Jake's describing, it's not too far off Jalen Hurts, Cam Newton. But what we really got to figure out for how close he could achieve that type of ceiling is how much is Bo's size and athleticism really going to play up, really going to tick up to that level in the NFL. Um, Lots more to get into. Love this. Lots of meat on the bone there. Um, But first. A word from our friends over at Game Time. Take all the stress work out of buying your tickets with Game Time. Uh, the Broncos are hot. We got a Sunday night game tomorrow. I guess it's probably over by the time you're listening to this, but we got the Nuggets and the Avs going strong as well right now. Uh, whatever city you're in, wherever you are, not just games, concerts, events, whatever is happening where you are, check out Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use that code DNVR, and you can get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account, redeem code DNVR for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. High Plains Strains provides top quality cannabis and a wide variety of products. Check them out for your needs, including infused edibles, high potency concentrates, and some of the best flour in the state. There are three convenient locations in Northeastern Colorado, one on Log Lane Village, one in Garden City, and one in Sedgwick. If you're in Northeastern Colorado, they are the dispensary for you. You can order ahead and save time at highplainstrains.com. Pick up at their locations. And with winter coming, they even have drive throughs They've never made it easier on you. Use the code DNVR through Green Friday. That's November 24th. You can get a half ounce for 45 bucks. You can get a full ounce for 80 That's an awesome deal. Veritas 8s for 25 Mammoth 1-gram cartridges for 15 Exquisite act track. Ex- excuse me. That's a mouthful. Exquisite extracts. 4 for 40 Remember to use DNVR online or mention DNVR in stores to take advantage of these high plane strains holiday deals. Beautifully done. Okay. Before we get into Broncos real quick, we also had the most expensive firing in the history of this beautiful <laughs> sport that we love so dearly. Jimbo, one of our favorite coaches to make fun of uh, in his tenure at AM. Fisher, of course, uh, sadly, sadly out with the Aggies and, um, wow, what, uh, what a time 
your read on this, Justin, and uh, who should A&M even go after at this point? First off, collectively, we were robbed uh, as college football fans of interim head coach Bobby Petrino and or Steve Adazio. <laughs> um, I, I just want to say as a consumer of this lovely sport, that's bullshit. And we, we deserve that. But yeah, I, I mean, the timing of it is odd to me. I don't know who you're going to go get that's better, if we're being quite honest. But I guess you kind of had to do something. It felt like this had been coming for a little while, just in terms of the the pressure from inside those AM circles. They've got a lot of money going into that program. They've lost a lot of kids to the portal. It's not shocking, especially given the the lack of success with the talent that they brought in, but I don't know. I I probably I probably would have given him one more season if I'm being honest. I just I don't really know who you're gonna go get. It's gonna be an interesting cycle. Dan Lanning, I guess, is a name that if you could go get him, I think that would be a home run hire. Um, I don't think the Dion stuff makes any sense at all. Dan, uh, you've seen Dan Campbell be mentioned. He's an A and M alum. I, I don't understand why he would leave a great spot with a. Lions roster that's you know up and coming and just in its prime, but um yeah really weird spot if you're a And M and you have to nail this higher right because you already had the blank plaque with multiple national championships or whatever it's been a disaster. I don't nail this higher. I mean you're I think this football program is really in flux right now. They just had the top recruiting class. Uh, in the country two years ago. I think it was the highest rate of recruiting class of all time, actually. Um, yeah. Some of those guys entered the portal this last offseason. Um, we haven't really seen a lot of that talent play it on the field, obviously. We know what AM is with the boosters and all that. Uh, Coach Ryan ain't going there. Um, I don't think a lot of these guys that are being floated out are going there. I think that there's a lot of pressure with this job in it. I think you're expected to go in there and win right away and if you're someone like Dan Landing, like you're already kind of expected to do that at Oregon. Yeah. Um, you're going into a new conference there too. And it's Oregon. I mean, it doesn't get too much better than that. And I'm not going to take the risk. I think just in my opinion to jump from A&M when I already have a pretty cushy job at this point. So I would think guys, you know, like Jeff trailer, um, Willie Fritz, the, uh, I believe, is that the, uh, Tulane coach? Um, guys like that is who I would look at for this job. And I think, um, it's going to be a swing. It's going to be a risk. And I think A&M has to take part in that risk too, because they got to realize where this football program is. You've been pretty much irrelevant in the SEC for basically ever since you got there. Um, yeah. This is, it's about time to come to to grips with the, what this program is. And I think this might be their last gasp at really trying to attain, you know, a top 10, top eight level in college football consistent, consistently year in, year out with this hire. Yeah, um, I mean, we've talked about it before. They kind of had this window as the lone school in the state of Texas and the SEC. That window has closed shut on them uh, outside of that one year with Sumlin and Johnny Mansell. It's all been a disaster. Um, and Sumlin kind of over-leveraged that fame and had too packed of a QB room, and all those guys kind of failed in the end, right? Um, and I think, you know, what we try to do at the draft pod is think of bigger implications and the future of the sport. I think this is the first of like, you know, now that boosters pay for recruits, they're going to be expecting a different level of stuff. And when those guys are out the door without having produced anything within two years, there's a bigger added pressure. Um, the timing's odd, but I think the timing is also related to greater economical factors where like just the booster group and, um, like they basically had the cash now and it was time to pull the trigger. And the recruiting um, calendars changed. I mean, you yeah, got also you're trying to sign your class in yep. mid-December versus you know February. The whole the whole timing yep. of the sport has changed over these last couple of years. So we're we're gonna see these firings happen earlier and earlier. Boise State did it with Andy Avalos. You're trying to yep. get ahead of the curve and you know be like we said, there is a lot of pressure. There's not a ton of like really hot candidates in terms of, oh, this guy's for sure going to move on. And maybe a, a guy like Barry Odom at UNLV is somebody to keep an eye on. 
having unprecedented success there. But it's just interesting to see how this has changed and the the money being thrown around is quite something. Yeah, for sure. And it's hard to see a good candidate right now. Landing to me doesn't make sense. The real appeal to AM is unlimited recruiting resources. You basically have that at Oregon with a funner program with a better track record that's going into a new conference and just has a lot more appeal and talent on the roster currently going on. Um, I think guys who would maybe be making somewhat of a lateral move, a Chip Kelly who like hates recruiting, uh, but his great X's and O's would be at a program where he can just throw the bag, doesn't have to put the work in and maybe can just plug and play that kind of talent into his offense and system. You wonder if like a guy at James Franklin where things are getting a little stale at Penn state uh, could be interested in a lateral move just for more money. He's certainly a phenomenal recruiter, maybe break through the way he hasn't at Penn state, or maybe what he's done at Penn state would be totally acceptable at A&M right now. Right. It probably should be um, like, you know, you win 10 games. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be an improvement. You're ranked, you win 10 games. You just can't beat LSU and Bama. I mean, shit, there's worse. Um, and you know, that's all this right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And that's fine. I think at Ole Miss, that's basically fine. Lane Kiffin, in fact. Um, and I, if I'm the Lane train, I, I don't take that. I'm waiting for other bigger jobs to come open. So, you know, I'm sure big names will come out because their resources are unlimited. Um, and someone in kind of a desperate situation might be inclined to take that, you know, but it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really interesting. Um, and frankly, I, I think Mississippi State might have an easier path to returning to being what they were just a few years ago than AM does in the SEC West to be ranked year in, year out. Um you ever seen a team win by 41 points, 51 on the scoreboard, and then fire their head coach the next weekend? No. No, I have not. Boise fired at Avalos after like a 28 or 29 point win. I mean, it's it's just a different time. I found Weird. that very odd. Very odd. Um, let's not cross the state fires on it, too. Yeah, yeah, let's do yeah. Broncos. Um, 13th pick now. If they were in the playoffs, and you know, now any injury that happens, like Burrow last night, I'm thinking, oh, maybe, maybe this helps the Broncos. Um, 13th pick would be the 19th if the Broncos were in the playoffs. What are we looking at for the Broncos? Who would you guys like to see? What are you feeling like the biggest needs are on the roster right now? Go ahead, Jake. Uh, I, man, I'd probably say wide receiver, maybe. Um, I'd throw that out there. I mean, really hasn't been able to do anything we're not getting much out of the third wide receiver spot um and russ just isn't really having these explosive plays downfield so i do wonder if a big wide receiver is something that could take this offense to the level that it needs to get to to where we're not relying on four to five turnovers a game to win ball games yeah i put an offensive tackle out there as well um tight end i mean they basically don't have one that factors into the roster right now when i think back to some of those new orleans days and what jeremy shockey was able to do for drew Brees, i would like to see that at some point be a thing here though i know russ historically that's not exactly a part of the field he attacks a ton it's not exactly a position he always relies on but i do think in the red zone if you look at some of that seattle stuff it it was a factor at times uh corner for sure receiver just with the amount of talent coming out i think it's worth investing in the one of these early rounds just because so many of these guys are just so intriguing uh but i'll throw defensive tackle out as well um safety you know cream's getting older he keeps getting suspended those are some of the the positions i'm looking at obviously quarterback is always going to be in the conversation but tough to keep fixing on that after i mean russ has he's played pretty well these last couple weeks yeah, at and I mean, times. 
I think the bigger complaint with Russ might be the, the the timing passing offense, and that's on the ride receivers, and that's on the offensive line and pass pro as well, which continues to be a struggle. Well, and, and a rookie quarterback just isn't going to improve that. You know, a rookie quarterback is going to give you, at best, what Russ has been giving you off script and the runs and that kind of stuff. Um, I think it really it, it starts in the trenches. Um and your weaker spots have been on the interior where Powers has struggled. Uh, Cushenberry had his worst game of the season last week. The tackles, I think, are holding up half decently. But can they be upgraded? How long is Garrett Bulls in the plans? You might have to make some costly cuts next offseason. Anyways, um, you know, Marius Mims, the right tackle for Georgia, was back after being out for like a third of the season. And he looked outstanding against Ole Miss as I watched the Broncos offense and I saw them use a jumbo packet and and throw out of it and I saw them use more 22 personnel with two tight ends two running backs more fullbacks more two tight end sets I just kept thinking I can't wait till that extra offensive lineman in the jumbo packet isn't Quinn Bailey but it is like a first round offensive tackle that Sean Payton drafted and is developing for a year behind Garrett Bulls, or maybe hasn't playing guard or what have you. And I can't wait until that fullback is someone like a Taysom Hill or what have you, you know, who can bring all sorts of variety to your formation. And those tight ends aren't more athletic, like kind of X factors, all these kind of guys that um, Sean Payton's been adding. So I'm excited to see that. But I think the biggest need right now is on the interior defensive line where the lack of depth is really getting them. Um, Stopping the run has just been such a massive struggle. And I'm not sure how many guys in this class are going to be able to fill that need. Uh, Jerzevon Newton out of Illinois is a name we've made throughout the season. But like he would not be my favorite pick at 13. He might not be my favorite pick at 19. I think, honestly, the the value at corner, O-line, and wide receiver – or even edge might be better. Edge, I love the young edges they have, but that's another one where the run defense is an issue. This is why you draft edge rushers in the first round and not in the second and third, because the the guys the Broncos have currently are a little one-dimensional. When Browning or Benito gamble and go inside, we, we saw them completely crash the edge and leave wide open lanes for the Bills at times. Outside of Newton, though, I'm not sure how many interior D linemen there are, and that's where it's like, Watch these next big games because Bama's going to give you, you know, who could emerge from Bama? Watch the Ohio State-Michigan game. Both those defensive lines. All it takes is Michael Hall, Chris Jenkins, one of these guys having one big game in that kind of matchup, and they've blown up their stock, you know, and all of a sudden we're we're buzzing about them a bunch. That's where I think this class is really intriguing, where I could see someone emerge out of nowhere. Doorless, Brandon Doorless uh, at Oregon, right? They're going to have some big matchups at the end of the season. He blows it up, bull season, what have you. That's a guy who all of a sudden we could be talking about, you know, Georgia has some cats. Um, It's That's a position where I feel like the book has yet to be written, but in November we're going to see some guys emerge who just have all the tools, all the talent. We just needed to see a flash to start buying into like first round potential. That's Jonah Ellis for me of Utah. I think he's got all, all the potential to break out here down the stretch. I know Utah's not going to be playing in the, the biggest games now that they've lost a couple, but they're still always trying to play spoilers for those top Pac-12 teams. He's been a big playmaker in some of their big games. It's it's a shame that they're not going to be in the Dallas Turner range because I think he fits exactly what they need in terms of a dynamic edge rusher that can contain the edge and be impactful as a run stopper. He's shown it time and time again. I mean, that's what he was known for at first was being more of a run stopper. And now he's, you know, flashed as that pass rusher as his career has progressed. Where are you guys at with somebody like Braylon Trice? Hmm. He's been so good at Washington this year. Yeah. He's uh he's just workmanlike. He's got a good arsenal. He plays low to the ground. Is it a little too early for you? A little too. It's a little too early. Yeah. It's a little too early. With I, I, yeah. Just one first round pick. That's it's tough. You know, I I can't withstand reaching on the guy. Who would be? I do think your top choice. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Jake. But then after that, like, who would be if I say. just? 
look, the strengths of this draft class are at quarterback, wide receiver, and edge. And I think that just given where the Broncos are picking right now, that any of those positions, you can't go wrong. Obviously, quarterback, we know is a long-term kind of uh, thing that needs to be worked out. But can you imagine this team if they had Keon Coleman on them right now? Like, just making plays, like embarrassing defensive backs, like just giving Russ a guy to throw it up to. Like, I really think that's something that could change this offense moving forward. But edge is also up there, too. I mean, love what the the young Ohio State guys have been doing, but – we don't have a guy. We need a guy. Yeah, you kind of do need a guy. Last episode, we were talking about Leitu Latu, Dallas Turner, Chop Robinson, who was back from injury. You know, JT Tuamalu uh, has been a bit quiet this season, but he could have a blow-up game any second as well. Um, I really don't know. I really don't I think... I think the trenches is where they'll go, though. And I think maybe trading down, unless there's a true superstar, um, might be the way to go. Like, I think they've played their way out of the Joe Waltz. I think Malik Neighbors, they've played their way out. You mentioned playing their way out of Dallas Turner. So you start to get into the next range. Um, what about you know, J.C. Latham? Yeah, he's played so well. That entire O-line for Bama has really improved. He's such a tone setter, man. He is badass. But are you looking for a long-term solution at right tackle, left tackle? Are you just looking to add badass dudes that give you versatility all over? Um, You know, there's a lot of different flavors in this offensive tackle group, a lot. And Latham, I like him, but he's not necessarily the guy with the top upside for me. And he's, you know, I'm a bit... No, I mean, I, I don't think he's... I don't know if he's even a top three tackle, but he might be where you're at in terms of if you're picking... Especially if you're picking more around 18, 19. And the thing with the offensive line, too, I don't think that we're... The Broncos are good enough at any given position to just single in on, okay, we need a center or we need a guard or tackle. Go get the best offensive lineman you can. Just figure it out from there. Um, I think Sean Payton did a great job of that when he was drafting for the Saints. He kind of just took, you know, wherever. Um, I think it was Pete, right? Andrews Pete, like the they took yeah. a tackle when they already had tackles and stuff. Like yep. that's the type of thing that you need to do is just gather great offensive linemen. And we've seen what he can do with the run game the last few weeks, Sean Payton, yeah. when he draws it up. So uh, just get good big guys. I will correct you. I do think there's one O lineman that you definitely hold on to and don't replace or upgrade, and that's Quinn Miners, who's been oh yeah, mag- road grader. My God, he's been incredible. The belly. We've also seen Sean Payton go for guys, um, you know, that are more high upside. You know, in the trenches on the O line, Marcus Davenport, guys like that. Landon Jackson mm-hmm. out of Arkansas, who's just massive LSU transfer, had an insane game against Bama. Slowed down since is a guy to keep on your radar. Um, Amarius Mims, who I mentioned out of Georgia, and Xavier Leggett out of South Carolina, just a massive wide receiver with burners, um, is another one. And then, you know, like Brock Bowers, probably out of the Broncos range at this point. What a Jatavion Sanders, the like versatile tight end out of Texas, who's almost like a big wide receiver. How many guys would be in the mix um, like that? Maybe like an Xavier worthy too. I mean, you could use somebody on the inside to make some plays. There's, there's a lot of different ways you could play this. Yeah, no doubt. And then, I mean, the corner, like let's not forget corner. Kool-Aid McKinstry has been amazing. The corner opposite of him has had the bigger plays because they're actually having to throw it to someone, you know? So is it Armand? Uh, Ar- yeah. Armand, Taryn Armand. Um, yeah. He's come up with huge plays and, you know, Clemson's played better, and Nate Wiggins, their corner is a big part of that. He's a little light, um, which, you know, concerns me. The Emmanuel Forbes experience has been interesting in the NFL. Um, and, you know, Denzel Burke, uh, next up for, out of Ohio State, he's another guy, another prospect with everything in front of him. You play really well this last month in these bigger matchups you've got. Uh, we'll, we're talking about a first-rounder there as well. Where are you at on Kalen no. King, who had obviously an incredible year last year? Statistically, this year it's not even close. I don't know. I 
some some of it, I mean, they're probably not thrown at him quite as much. I mean, I haven't I haven't gotten to watch Penn State quite as much this year as I would like to. He got a workout in tackling last weekend. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh he's got that. I mean, I don't know that he always looks locked down, you know, but the tools are are definitely there. The tools jump off. The he's got the, I mean, the ball skills when he's making 18 pass deflections last year or something crazy like that. I don't like him as much as like a Josh Newton out of TCU, who's also had more of a mixed bag this year. Newton just looks a little more twitched up, a little stickier in coverage. Um, and, you know, the more we talk about it, the more it's like, gosh, if there was a scenario where they could move down a few spots and maybe get two of these guys, that sure would be cool. I sure would like that because the no second rounder, haunts me the early second round pick which now is going to be a mid-second so that's cool um that's my favorite part of the draft right well oh yeah absolutely and then i gotta throw out cooper DeGene's name i mean that guy i mean he's done for the season now very good but who knows where he's gonna go in the draft now like this could be a guy that goes you know in that top 15 range or he could just slide out of the first round altogether um i didn't learn exactly what the injury was. I don't know if that's public or not, but uh, this guy, the athleticism is undeniable. And he's a guy, you know, if he gets healthy enough and can do some draft stuff, I think he would still be a first round guy. But if not, we might be looking at a potential steal here, you know, later in the draft. I mean, I know they don't have the second rounder, but this guy just all he did was save Iowa and win football games basically for them. Reunite him and Riley Moss. May as well. Why not? Reunited and it feels so good. You know what else feels so good, folks? Having an ice cold Breck brew, courtesy of our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. There's no better way to watch a game than having an ice cold Breck brew in hand. Check out the farmhouse, by the way. If you have a chance over in Littleton, they've got an awesome menu. Uh, recently added a French dip that is really, really good. They've got awesome wings. I cannot say enough good things about the Breck farmhouse. Check out the Breck Beer locator at breckbrew.com. Find a brew near you. Shout out to our friends at FOCO, the leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with an amazing product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, novelty items. Um, it's the holidays. If you were looking for that one gift for the sports fan in your life and you know that they already have everything, go to FOCO. They've got all the cool stuff. They're going to have all the stuff that even the most diehard sports fans will not have. Um, and it's just cool gear. Uh, FOCO has our back for Colorado sports and they have yours too. get the best gear around by using the link in our description for all non presale items. Use the promo code DMVR for 10% off. All right, boys. How are we feeling about our college football picks these days? Uh, how's everyone doing record wise? I had a really good week 11 and, um, then yeah, week or no, I'm sorry. I had a good week 10, week 11. Not so much. Mm. Not so much. But that's okay. We're, we'll get back to it. I've had a decent year. I've been up and down. Yeah, I've been, I've been pretty good. I love it. All right. Let's start with Utah at Arizona. J-Mai kind of teased the, uh, the big prospect matchup is going to be Jonathan Ellis one of the top um he's now he's more of a defensive end right i think it's jonah ellis jonah ellis thank yeah. you yeah no it, it definitely is thank you um he play, he wears number 83 which is weird i don't like my edge rushers to wear wide receiver numbers i think that's a little messed up uh but that's that's besides the point against jordan morgan one of the best l- pure left tackles in the entire um country He's twitched up very good in pass pro. It's the other elements of his game that maybe need to be ironed out. So this is a great test. Wildcats last I checked were one point favorites. They are at home. It's a matchup of number 22 in the country against number 17. Tis your conference. Jake, give it to us. Oh, man. Um, What's the line here again? Sorry, I don't have this one. Wildcats by one. Wildcats at home, minus one. Give me Utah. Um, look, last weekend, they put up 34 points and they beat CU. And um, 
they're very talented. They've got tons of skill on the outside. You mentioned the offensive line. They were just, there were some holes that were just wide open and were like 70 yard gains last weekend. It's going to be a different story this weekend. They're playing one of the best teams in the trenches in the entire country. Um, Fida, you know, kind of looked human finally. Yeah. Um, probably the best freshman quarterback in the country at this point. I just think that Utah's got it up front to cause some problems. So I'm going to take the Utes. This is peak Utah territory, right? I mean, uh, as soon as the the new hot team gets rolling, they win four or five in a row. Boom, match up with the Utes. It's the ice cold water, the flashback to reality. Utah, they have won both of the both times they've lost this year. They followed it up with a double digit victory, including most recently when they thumped Arizona State fifty five to three after that tough game against Oregon. They were right there against Washington. Offensively, they've been a little hit or miss this year, but I think Jake nailed it on the head. This game is, is going to be one in the trenches. I think Utah creates some pressure for a young quarterback. And uh, I'm basically just giving the the Utah Utes this win out of respect and, and reputation under Kyle Whittingham because this is just what they do every single year. Yeah, um, it's a Styles Makes Fights game. If this was in Utah, I'd really buy into the Utes. I'm a little more torn, and I hate that we agree, but Jake really made a great argument. I just think in the trenches, both sides of the ball, they'll bully the Wildcats just enough, just enough to to get this. But, you know, Arizona's an amazing story. They've been hot. You'd think they'd be bigger favorites at home than this. That tells you everything. Let's move on to Georgia at Tennessee. Bulldogs, 10.5-point favorites. J. Mike, the uh, Milton experiment not working out so great in Vols land. Uh, and yeah, dogs by 10 and a half at Tennessee. Do they keep rolling? Or uh, is this maybe a little SEC West surprise? This is the month where buyer beware, like the dogs, the dogs come out now. The dogs come out. This is where stuff can get especially weird in the SEC. I think Georgia wins this game substantially, like by 20 plus, to be honest. You've already got Josh Heupel out there essentially making comments about, oh, I know we're going to have our crowd behind us, basically like begging them to be really loud when Georgia's on offense. I mean, when that's when, when that's what you're resorting to, that kind of tells you what you need to know. They know they're outgunned. This Tennessee offense just isn't the explosive unit we saw a year ago. And I think Georgia is kind of surgical right now. So... I like Georgia to roll, and I think I'd even buy a couple points and get it at plus money. Get it to two tuds. You agree? Yeah. Jake? Yeah, man. I, I just can't pick against Georgia and Tennessee. With Tennessee at this point, um, Milton is who we thought he was. And that was just, I mean, a really rough showing last weekend. And we're coming off, you know, polar opposites here. Georgia just had a fantastic showing. Tennessee was just terrible. Yes. And Tennessee is at home, so that does give me like a minute of pause. But I think just the talent differential is going to be pretty apparent once we get into, you know, fourth quarter and Georgia's going to roll. So I'm taking the dog. In different circumstances, it feels a little trappy. Mm -hmm. I just think Georgia's really rounding into form. I think these some of these SEC rivalries just hit a little different you know like you still feel it because like tennessee may not be a presence on the football field though they were last year but they're a presence like in that universe in um you know in the recruiting world and everything you feel it you want to round into form i kind of agree i think they kill them i kind of like the over 58 and a half as well um unc at clemson Drake May and the Tar Heels go to Clemson and they are seven point dogs on the road. Wow. They're begging you to take Drake May and Mac Brown and mm -hmm. the Tar Heels, Jake. Do you know nope. it? I don't think so. I think uh, I'd take Clemson here. This is a very hostile environment and UNC, they They've had some nice performances. Drake May has played well, but they also are just one of the most confusing teams in the country. So I just simply don't trust them. And I don't, there's not much to really trust on Clemson either, but at least I get Death Valley. Um, I get the atmosphere on my side. So I'm going to take it. 
I like Clemson's front seven to make things hard on on May. I mean, you know, we talked about the corner. They're making some plays in the secondary now. Ah, I think North Carolina can cover, but I certainly like Clemson to win this one. Do you guys remember what the name of that caller that really pissed off Dabo was? It's something from Harrisburg. Um, that's okay. I don't. <laughs> They're begging you. Drake may will have his hands full. Um, and yeah, it's a big one for Jeremiah Trotter Jr. And uh, Barrett Carter, the best linebacking duo in the country. Uh, obviously, tons of talent on all of Clemson defense. Watch defensive tackle Tyler Davis. Watch, um, you know, the safety number one. I'm I'm blanking on the name, which I wouldn't be able to pronounce anyways. But he's a prospect. Yeah, thank you. And uh, Nate Wiggins, the the corner. Honestly, though, I'm, this is one where sometimes it pays. Sometimes it's okay to be a sucker, and uh, I'm happy to be a sucker. I actually think UNC is the better team. I think having the better quarterback matters, and Clemson's feeling a little, you know, high and mighty after some big wins. And this has been Clemson in prime time. In the post Deshaun Watson era, we we think like, oh, oh yeah, Clemson and all the names, and then it's like, no, they kind of uh, just crap the bed. This team hasn't been reliable enough on offense to be a seven and a half point favorite against just about anyone. Certainly not the number twenty team in the country. So I will take the sucker side. Give me um, UNC. Maybe the matchup of the weekend, UW at Oregon State, the Beavers, two and a half point favorites. Beavers would be an amazing story if they won this and we had a 12 team playoff. Um, I mean, their two losses come by a combined six points. They are two and a half point favorites. The Michael Penix, UW, that insane wide receiver core, Breland Trice, you name it, Jake. You've been on the Beavers all season long. How's this play out? I'm riding them. Let's go Oregon State, baby. I'm taking it. Uh, this team is just tough. That's, I think, their identity. They're just a tough out. They're going to battle everyone they play against. They're going to play up to their competition. They do somewhat play down to their competition as well, but they're solid, really solid in the trenches. Damian Martinez is a great running back. They got speed on the outside. Uh, DJU has not been really asked to do too much, and he's really flourishing in that role as well. And defensively, they're just really sound. Um, and I think, you know, look, Washington, I love them too. And I think that Penix definitely can go out there and carve this team up and uh, win this game outright for sure. It's just in that environment with the, the identity Oregon State has, I think this is just where it all works. This is what this program was built for. This is what Jonathan Smith was building towards. It'd be a great story, man. I'm so torn because I love Oregon state as a program. They feel very Utah E of late these last couple of years under Jonathan Smith. Yeah. I'm kind of going with Dre's argument of the last game though, where I think the quarterback play matters in this one. I think Penix finds a way to create enough plays in a really tight game and Washington escapes with a, a really big victory. And I say that with all due respect and love for future CSU conference mate, Oregon state go Beavers. Yeah. Um, tough, tough, tough. I see both sides of it for sure. Um, I do think ultimately Oregon state a little more complete on both sides of the football. Uh, they've got some playmakers they haven't had to unleash totally. Like if they need to get on a shootout, they will. But I'm not sure that's going to happen. Penix, we've seen uh, some inconsistencies at time. This is a really tough road game. Really tough, man. Um, Corvallis is no fun to play in in mid-November. just isn't. Uh, and this is one where when the book begs me, to take you dub i'll say no thank you i'm not a sucker i'll i'll stay on the sharp side give me the beavers by one and a half now that has moved um not sure how much time we want to spend on this one j mike but it's a classic kansas state at kansas two ranked teams nine and a half point favorite for kansas state because they're what down to their third quarterback now um 
that that was really unfortunate in the last game. So again, not sure how much time we totally want to spend, but Cooper Beebe, the um, interior alignment for Kansas State, a guy you want to watch of all these alignment, he's the one who grades out the best for PFF, which I found interesting. Yeah, K-State should roll in this one. But, I mean, you never want to discount the rivalry factor. Kansas at home. Yeah. Well-coached under Leopold. But I, I just think K-State's run game is is going to be the difference. They should be able to control the clock. And unless Kansas can create a bunch of plays, you know, turnovers, special teams, that kind of stuff, win a really weird one. I just think they're outmanned. Um, but, yeah, well, who knows? I mean, the Big 12's all over the place. Oklahoma State beats OU, and then they lose by, like, 40 to UCF. K-State's been up and down. Kansas has been up and down. It's it's the conference we've come to to know and love. That's right. Jake? Kansas is just in dire straits with their quarterback situation. Yeah. I just can't trust it. Yep. I'm with you guys on that one. Um, I have Oklahoma State at Houston. More from a draft perspective, uh, watching Houston's left tackle, one of the few true left tackles in this class and Patrick Paul against Oklahoma State's defense, which has been very good, would be intriguing. Gundy and Holgerson, Loki, both uh guys who might be uh Texas AM, like you could do worse, uh type of candidates if you ask me. So quick fix on that. And then uh UNLV Air Force, J Mike. The Mountain West is on the line. We might as well. Yeah, uh, Air Force three-point favorites at home against UNLV. I like UNLV outright. I just think their their running game is really solid right now. And then uh, give me Gundy in the Gundy-Hogerson Bowl. I I just, I'm rolling with the mullet. That, whatever happened last weekend was probably one of the most shocking results I've seen all season, what UCF did to Oklahoma State. Um, I still can't really believe that. And it's because of that game, I'm just going to pick them. I think you get embarrassed that bad. You got to come out and perform the next week. Oh, it's just, man. you have to do something. You got to respond. Phenomenal call. Phenomenal call. That's, you're exactly right. Uh, and I said it on the Rams pod. I think Air Force gets you NLV. So there you go. Okay. Um, USC, UCLA too. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, what's the line on that, Jake? Uh, I'm seeing Trojans by six, and it's, uh, I guess, it doesn't really matter, but it's at USC. Oh, man. Most cases, I would love the Bruins on that line. I just think, um, you know, their advantage is they're going to be creating pressure the entire game, and that's where Caleb Williams is at his best. He's like, yeah, fuck you. I'll play out of structure. That's, I'll destroy you playing back backyard football. Yeah, sounds good. You want to put me on the run? <laughs> Giddy up. I'm ready. So I'll take USC by a million. Might be Chip Kelly's last game as a Bruins coach. This might be Caleb Williams' last college football game, guys. They don't play next weekend. And, I mean, if he's the number one overall pick, why would you play in the bowl game? Lots to be sorted out. Lots to be sorted out. Yeah. Go USC. I just, or not go USC. I'm picking USC. I just think they're due at this point. I, I'm, I'm probably rooting for UCLA if we're being honest, but I just want to see, I want to see Caleb Williams do something insane. That's basically all I'm rooting for this weekend is just give me a, give me a Superman Caleb Williams moment. I love it. Yeah, I'll take USC too and have them break my heart one more time in the Caleb Williams era. Well, it's only right. It's only right. Um, follow these guys: Jake Schwanitz, DMVR Buffs, Justin Michael, DMVR Rams. Putting out uh, bets videos almost daily, so check those out. Doing half decent on these picks. So, thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll be back next week. We'll find we'll find a way to make it happen on Thanksgiving week as well because that's another epic week of college football. I cannot wait for all the Black Friday games. Go! It's gonna be great. Love you guys. See you next week.